What's up, guys? We're back here on the 3rd and 20 Dynasty podcast. This is episode 17. I'm here with uh, JT Alaka and Lunas Amarad. I'm Jake Hankin, and we're just going to jump right into this week. Uh, my highlight of the week is myself. I took home the championship in our league, and uh, <laughs> it was pretty pretty convincing uh, way to win it. I won by over 100 points thanks to uh, you know Stefan Diggs and Jeff Wilson putting up humongous days. Uh, and all I gotta say is I, I respect Lunas, you know, he won last year, but JT's out here being a goddamn loser again, uh, just straight <laughs> up, why is he even on this pod, I don't know, he just shouldn't have any respect, the only guy not to win one on here. Hey, first give me a favor, give yourself the pound to JT on the back, pat on the back. Go ahead. There it is. <laughs> Congratulations. Now that's all the acknowledgement you're ever going to get from me about you winning a championship. You're still trash and your team is bad. And Jimmy, we will never forget about little Jimmy out in Ohio who was missing an arm because you told him to go and buy AJ Green. We'll never forget that. What, in the primer episode? Yeah, thanks. Go. It's all right. I'll take that one. <laughs> yeah, a few months without an arm. It's terrible. He was going to be a star. He was going to be, I had him in my 2028 Debbie uh, draft. He was Number three quarterback. All right, let's get on focus though. No one cares about Jake winning the fantasy league. Literally zero people. We care plenty. Zero, zero people. Congrats, Jack. My actual highlight of the week. We're circling those motherfucking wagons again, boys. The Bills, man. They they wrapped up the two seed this week. They destroyed the Patriots on Monday Night Football. Um, Josh Allen went for. Uh, 27 to 36, 320 yards, four touchdowns, added another 35 yards on the ground. And the big important stat of this is that performance made him finish QB1 on the year. Um, also, Stefan Diggs had a monster performance, as I previously, previously said, leading me to the championship. Uh, you know, he had 11 targets, nine receptions, 145 yards, three touchdowns. Unreal performance again for him against Bill Belichick's defense. Um, he finished now wide receiver three. So my question to you guys is, are you buying the stock in the Bills offense? Do you think this continues, or is this team a flash in the pan? I like Allen's continued production. Um, you know, even earlier in the season, I probably was a hater of Allen. Not so much a hater, but I wasn't buying into the hype. Um, yeah, I definitely was doubting him. I still... I don't know why but i just i can't like fully like punch through and like actually be a full-time believer now there's just something about it that i i, I don't know what it is i don't know what's wrong with me and why i don't like allen that much i mean i obviously still think he's a top 10 dynasty quarterback closer up to five than 10 um but it's just it's just something about it that i just i'm always afraid he's just going to revert back to the guy who can't hit uh open receivers has a terrible completion I know he's leading the league after being one of the worst last year. It's a very tremendous switch, but I, I just can't be a full-time believer. Um, that being said, I still like Allen where he's valued. I do think now is a good time to sell Diggs, though, because it's very hard to repeat this kind of production. Um, and I just think he's someone that, with the emergence of better receivers, um, then Cole Beasley and John Brown, who will take uh, more target share. I'm looking at like Gabriel Davis and you know potentially a free agent coming in. Um, I do think it's going to be difficult for Diggs to repeat the year he had. Kind of 
the same about a side tangent uh, like Keenan Allen, where they're just getting a bunch of targets every game. I, I get that there's such a great connection, but I don't know. I just I don't believe Davis will be that. I, I He might be a low-end wide receiver one next year, but I just don't see him repeating the wide receiver, uh, top half wide receiver one that he did this year. You're a hater. You're a hater. Yeah. Well, if you want me to really be a hater, right? On the other side of the football <laughs> is the New England Patriots, who are just a mess. They're so, <laughs> so frustrated. I don't know if you guys, like, actually watch the game. Like, I watched every yeah. play, and I was just getting so mad because literally they the defense did nothing. And like what they did against the Rams, they just allowed them to run all over them. This time, they'll pass. I mean, it's kind of like those, those – lateral kind of passes which is essentially a run just like a farther out pitch basically but they just couldn't tackle they couldn't stop them uh then you want to go on their offense their offense is a mess they need a different quarterback whether they get one free agency trade for one or draft one they need a new quarterback i i like jared Stidham. i mean i saw him play it's kind of tough to just judge someone getting thrown into the third quarter already down a bunch with you know kobe myers as your number one wide receiver um it's just I didn't see a whole lot. The the accuracy is not great. I mean, I hope he starts this upcoming week against the Jets and we can see what he has. But it's looking like the Patriots are definitely getting a new quarterback going into next year. Um yeah, that was my real hate. <laughs> did you enjoy really that broadcast, JJ? Did you like the did, did you like the uh the young Carson Wentz in the Patriots uniform? Uh it's gonna happen. Patriots. <laughs> yeah. I, don't if, um, I, want him. I don't know if I want Carson Wentz. But Carson Wentz. Yo, he'll lead you to the AFC Championship. Very nice. They had. They've got the cap space for him. They've got. They could take on the That's contract. Want to be twenty? It's essentially, if you trade for him, a two-year, fifty million dollar deal. But either way, uh, starting with the Bills, uh, I don't know if I'm selling Diggs just because I expect him to be a number one, a wide receiver one as long as he's with Josh Allen. He's still young, pretty much entering like the prime of his career. Uh, obviously, I mean, first off, you mentioned the other receivers. Cole Beasley had a pretty good year. Like, he was a pretty solid number two. Like, he, he was putting up, like, around, like, 10 to 12 points every single week. Um, if I'm buying anyone on that Bills offense, because I'm a believer, and I think the MVP conversation had kind of always been Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes this year. But I think Josh Allen, if you had a list of third player in the MVP combo, I think it'd be him. He, he's been amazing this season, and Buffalo's been phenomenal all year. Uh, but if I'm buying anyone on offense, it's probably Gabriel Davis. Um, kind of hoping that he can... Zach, Zach Moss, Moss, I like too. I like Zach Moss too. Uh, it's just hard to figure it out between him and Singletary because I still think Singletary is good too. I guess it depends on the price you can get for Zach Moss. But I guess the hopes is is that Gabriel Davis can take over that other outside receiver option because um, Cole Beasley is always going to kind of be a slot guy. But he he would be the buy. I have, and I agree with JT. I'd probably put Josh Allen with Dynasty, probably like QB5, I think, because I probably still have around there. Because I probably see there's like Mahomes, there's Kyler, uh, Herbert's up there, uh, Watson's up there. Lamar, um, Russell Wilson. Yeah, Russell Wilson, I completely forgot. Russell Wilson's still up there. I mean, he, um, he, But I'll say around like five or six. Speaking of Russell Wilson and the MVP conversation, he's probably not going to get an MVP MB, MVP vote again this year, which again, is, which is crazy, crazy that he's never received an MVP vote in his life. Um, just because for the past what 
like six, seven, eight years or so. He's he's been a top quarterback in the league, and he's just not even received one in that entire time. It's pretty amazing. Yo, real quick before we move yeah. off of the Bills, um, one thing that is a little bit of a buyer beware is that Brian Dable, their offensive coordinator, is right now one of the top head coaching mm-hmm. candidates. And I honestly believe that he is a top five offensive coordinator in the league. Watching some of those Bills games, their offense is just beautiful to watch. So losing him could make more of an impact than people realize. Completely agree with that. I believe that guy's a winner. He's also been credited with the development of Josh Allen over the past year or so, getting that completion percentage up, getting that accuracy on deep balls up. You know, so I just I agree with Frank on this one a whole lot. If he leaves, I would sell a lot of the bills just because I depending on who takes over the role, if it's just the next man up kind of situation, I would be very wary there. So if if he leaves Jake, are you shopping Josh Allen? Not necessarily for selling him, but are you gonna start listening to offers for Josh Allen if that OC leaves? I think Josh Allen is a top five quarterback. I think he's probably over Rust at this point for me. Uh, just because of age and um, just overall the way Russ looked down the stretch of the season, that team looked completely different than the the first half of the year, and I think defense is really starting to figure them out. Um, but I would listen. I, for It would be very hard to deal Josh Allen. Not that I'm an owner in any any league that I am in, but I would – I think Josh Allen is very, very, very valuable, and I would be very hard to trade him no matter what happened. Question. If someone offered you right now 102 and 202 for Josh Allen, what are you saying? No. No? Yeah, no shot. I'd probably say no, too. If you're giving now, 101. 101 and 202 for Josh Allen. I would want more than 101. At least you're, get, you're getting a proven quarterback. You, like, yeah. yes, Trevor Lawrence is, you know – the next big thing, you know, best quarterback since Andrew Luck coming in or whatever, Peyton Manning coming in, like, yes, he is that, but you still haven't seen him play in, a, play in an NFL game yet. Josh Allen is in the MVP conversation. I'd agree. Right, let's, let's do like, the quick kind of thing. Who would we trade for the one-on-one? Would you trade Lamar for the one-on-one? Ooh. If I'm a contender, no. If I'm rebuilding, uh, I don't even know. That's tough. I think tough. it would be the same scenario for me as Josh Allen. I don't think I would do it straight, but I would do it in general if as the main piece I was. If you throw in like a mid-second, if you throw in like a mid-second, I think I'm saying yeah, yes. I'm looking for like, who would we give up a 101 straight um, on the nose, 101? Russell Wilson? Would you do Russell Wilson? I think so. But no, I hate, I, I, I hate saying that because I'm a Russell Wilson owner. I have had Russell Wilson for the past four or five years. I love the man to death. He's done me no wrong. But I think it's time to move on from Russ a little bit here. That's where I say if I'm a contender, I'm saying no. If I'm rebuilding, I'm saying yes. If I'm a contender, I'm keeping Russell Wilson. It's just so hard because, like, you know he's going to end up on the Jags at this point. It's basically set, set in stone that Trevor Lawrence will be on the Jags. He will be the one-on-one. Um, but, you know, there have been different prospects in the past who haven't panned out. And you do know what you're getting with Russell Wilson. Uh, 
know, albeit will he be the same Russell Wilson four years from now that he is today? No, but he's going to be a QB1 for those next few years. And you really don't know what you're getting with Trevor Lawrence. Um, so it'd be tough for me to give up Russ for 101 straight. I think I'd still need a little more, but it's it's in that range. Right. That's where with Trevor, the, the head coaching hire could rise, but not substantially, because I mean, you're still taking a one-on-one either way. But in terms of trades, I think the head coaching hire could kind of affect the value a little bit higher or lower, depending on if it's like an offensive guy. Like, Are we convinced Doug Marone is leaving? Like, I think it's best for the Jags that he does. But I'm not entirely convinced that they do get rid of him. Um, Dougie Marone is I good think developing players. Yeah, like I'm not convinced that it. I I think it. Fifty fifty, I'll put it. Doug Marone is the head coach next year, uh, for the Jaguars. Say sixty forty, but yeah, I I I think people are, uh, kind of assuming, but I think he's a good coach and he just got dealt a shit hand here. Yeah, I mean, devil's advocate, though, there were a lot of players that were basically, like, kicking and screaming, like, trying to get themselves out of Jacksonville. Yeah, so there's some smoke there. Um, who knows? It might just, might have just been a culture thing, and now he's got the culture set, and they're ready to go. I don't know. We, we good to move on, though, to my highlights? Yeah. Yep, let's do it. Yeah. Um, so my first one, someone that when Frank was on with us, uh, when we were doing, I don't even remember what it was. We were talking about Jonathan Taylor, though, and if I was panicking. And after a little bit of a rant, uh, I think I came to the conclusion that I was panicking as an owner. Um, yeah, that was funny. Yeah, but <laughs> I knew I, I knew you had to hold him, though. There was no point in, like, unless I could get the same deal as to where I valued him in the first place and, like, I would have pivoted off him, um, I knew it was a hold because – he had such a strong schedule coming up, and you had to figure out he was going to figure it out. You had just had to believe that he was going to figure it out. Um, and he did. Yeah, this was the first tough run defense that he played in a stretch. I mean, they are without their two top linebackers, but JT was able to score two touchdowns against the Steelers. Um, so he actually boosted himself into the RB1 category. He was like a fringe one, kind of like RB10, 11, 12. Now he's RB7, um, and, you know, with most people playing 16 weeks, this is where I like to call it. Like, I don't really care what happens next week. So Jonathan Taylor was RB7 on the year, um, which, you know, if you looked around different forums, Twitter, Reddit, whatnot, um, you would have thought, like, he was RB23, like, with how he was playing. I mean, it's, it's the same story with so many other running backs. Uh, that we've seen so far, uh, especially in their rookie year, you know, they're expected to do one thing when you draft them. And for whatever reason, situation changes, and then you have a totally different outlook on them. Meanwhile, it, you know, everything is still going to take their course. So with Jonathan Taylor, Marlon Mack went down, and everyone expected him to be catapulted into that RB1 category automatically. And it didn't come to fruition, so then everyone was really low with that, on him. On the flip side, CEH got drafted to the Chiefs and was in such a great situation. 
everyone like automatically assumed he would be, you know, like people were taking him in the first of startups, you know, first round of startups, which I always thought was a little crazy. Um, that being said, he finished RB18 on the year after missing um, a couple weeks. So, or like, yeah, a couple weeks. So, you know, a decent year from CEH, but it's just, it's crazy how people change so much about situation. Um, you know, like, it's dynasty. We're, we're playing for the long haul. We're not playing like it, it's a redraft, but I still feel like so many people in the dynasty community do play as if it's a redraft, but players that you just keep for next year. It's it's a weird, weird phenomenon, if you ask me. But that was my little mini highlight rant thing. I don't know if you guys have anything to add to that. I agree. I think um, people get in too impatient with rookies sometimes, like are quick to sell them or quick to dismiss them. Um, I do think it's a good time to cash in on trying to buy some of them. Uh, last year, I kind of got lucky with Miles Sanders starting off week, and then at the end of the season, he started playing better. And especially with the rookies this year, where we had a way shortened OTAs, way shortened training camp, no preseason games. Yeah, you have to give these guys time, even if it's not in that first season. Like you see, especially if they have higher draft capital, that the coaches believe in their talent. Um, and that's going into guys for next year. Like this offseason, I'd be trying to like text the um, Rager owner, how do you feel about him? Text the Rugs owner, what do you feel about him? Like just trying to buy low on some of those rookies because you got to give them time to fully get themselves used to that offensive system and what was a shortened offseason. No, Jonathan Taylor looked great. He finished the season amazing. He final four games in half PPR, 19 and a half, 17 and a half, 29 and a half, 21. He's going to be the starting running back for them next year. I expect them to still be good next year. I don't know what they're going to be doing at quarterback, but I can't imagine the play will decrease. Uh, and no, yeah, he looks amazing. And he's a top, I don't know where to put him, maybe top eight dynasty back, top 10. Somewhere there. We had him. Um, I, I, I forgot exactly like where I had him. We had him like RB7 or 8. Yeah. Consensus. Um, yeah, I don't really have anything right. to add on there. Wait, real quick, real quick. Because you, you, I think Lunas brought up a good point. Phillip Rivers has been playing dramatically different from the beginning of the season. Like, that Colts offense is on another level than it was the first half of the season, or at least the very beginning of the season. Does that at all think, like, do you think that's inflating Taylor's value at all? Or do you think that even without Rivers playing this well, Taylor would be putting up these kinds of numbers. I definitely think, I think it's a change. Go ahead, JT. It's, it's a change. Yeah, it's a change in what they've been doing too, right? Because so in the beginning of the year, their offense was so predictable. And they'd have Jonathan Taylor in on like first down and they'd run it up the middle. And that'd be that'd be the first down play. Second down play would be a pass. Then you bring in Naheem Hines and you give him like a screen. And then that'd be it. And it'd be a three and out. Um now they've started to switch it up more. You've seen they've involved Taylor more in the um, passing game. T.Y. Hilton coming back, them giving more uh, targets to T.Y. Hilton has changed Rivers' gameplay. Um, you know, it's not as predictable anymore where we, if you have Naheem Hines and you're almost assuming it's a, a passing down, and when you have Jonathan Taylor and it's like a running down, kind of how the Bengals were with uh, Mixon and Bernard when Mixon was healthy. Um so I think that being less predictable and being able to run more of the offense, which Philip Rivers is another quarterback. He's old. He's coming from 
Los Angeles, where he was his entire career, he's coming to a new team. You know, he has to learn the offense too. So it could have totally been something of they, they weren't able to get the entire playbook installed already. And, they were, you know, you have the rookie uh, players, Pittman and Taylor, who had a lot on their plate to begin with too. It could just be the offense, like, you know, finally coming to form and actually, like, with experience, they're playing well. And with practice, they're now playing well. That, that's more so what I think. I think this is just who the Colts are now. I don't really think it's inflating Taylor's value. I, I, I just think this is the Colts that we should have, should have expected from the beginning, but they just weren't ready and weren't prepared. Yeah, I agree. And I think also Philip Rivers playing better has led to less stacked boxes. Jonathan Taylor has to go against where um, teams have to respect the passing attack more than they did maybe earlier in the season. So, yeah, no, I think I think JT summarized that well, though. All right. Um, you guys want to go on like just another slightly tangent. Maybe we'll spend like two minutes on it. Lewis did bring up another point where it's like, yeah, now's the time to, you know, send the regular owner an offer or like feelers or the rugs owner. It's like, I, I don't know. Like I, I struggle with this all the time. Right. I want to know if there's a way that we could differentiate Nikhil Harry's of the world from the DJ Tarks of the world. The ones that have the disappointing rookie season that then become something or then that become a dud. Um, is there anything that you guys use to really determine what these wide receivers, like, like what, what, progression of these wide receivers is going to be yeah um i think for me at the end of the day i think a big part of it is just literally having to watch them like going back and watching um a lot of the playing games like do you think they're creating separation do you think when they're getting the ball in their hands are they making plays and they're just not getting enough touches yet i can say firsthand for rager like there are plenty of plays where i see him getting creation uh getting separation deep but there's just been shitty quarterback uh quarterback play for the eagles all season long They've missed him on a bunch of those deep routes. Uh, Ruggs, there's been a lot of times where he's getting open deep, but Derek Carr is looking to kind of a more check down or spreading the ball around and maybe just not getting him enough touches in the offense. Versus a Nikhil Harry, if you watched him, even when he got the ball in his hands, like you, saw, you didn't really see explosiveness. You know what I mean? Like you, You're not seeing him separate from corners a ton on his routes. You're not seeing him like have like, oh, when they passed to him, he made like a crazy play. Like I've seen that with these other rookies. Versus for him, like, so it multi, it ultimately comes down to that because you're not going to be able to tell off the numbers. Like the numbers, like, Nikhil Harry can just get open on, like, a zone bust for, like, a 15-yard in route and then just fall down right away versus, like, if someone took a screen, made a bunch of guys miss and got those yards. So it's really just having to watch those guys. You're going to have to put a little bit of studying into it. Yeah, I, Lunas hit that one right on the head. You really just got to do your own homework, just as you do with, you know, you're grading guys heading into the rookie draft. You got to grade your guys after the first season, um, see what you value them at now, and ask the owner if that – and see if you can come to an agreement on something where you value them. Because um, obviously guys change value throughout the season, as JT said. You know, just J- Jonathan Taylor alone, he was high, super high up, super low down, and now he's back super high up again. So, like, it, it really depends on what you see on the film. Like, guys like Jerry Judy right now, like, he's dropping off a whole lot of balls. And, like, it, he's just not looking good. And there's a lot of it you can't even blame on Drew Locke, who I'm not even trying to make excuses for. He hasn't looked good either. But Jerry Judy, in his own right, has made a lot of mistakes and is not not even getting that wide open like you used to, we're used to seeing with him at Alabama last year. So 
it, it's tough. But then, like Luna said, guys like Jalen Rager have really, every time they touch the ball, make something out of it. They've shown they can get open. They've shown that they've had the ability to catch the ball and things like that. So you got to grade your guys now and ask the owner if you can get to that value. And if you can, I think you got a deal. Fair enough. All right. So other highlight. Um, it's one that... I don't know. I don't love the guy as a person, but I can't deny his ability. Um, you don't love him as a person. Yeah, you're on first name basis, right? <laughs> no, I, I mean, like, he kind of just annoys me as far as quarterbacks are concerned, but it's Aaron Rodgers. Uh, builds his MVP level lead. Um, you know, it's crazy to think what, you know, when we talk about what was going on at the beginning of um, – preseason with the draft and everything and you know different quarterback getting drafted in the first round to your team then running back when really the team's main need was a wide receiver which you thought would be you thought it'd be something that they draft in the first couple rounds and Aaron Rodgers goes around doesn't even light a fire under himself he's just like all right like that's what it's going to be that's what it's going to be I'm going to go out and I'm going to carry this team on my back um, to potentially the first seed in the NFC um, so I, I think at this point, it's kind of hard to argue him not being the MVP unless I, I just don't see Patrick Holmes doing anything week 17 when they've already got the one seed locked up. I'm um, pretty sure Andy Reid has already said he's sitting. Um, yeah, yeah. So I'm pretty I, sure that Henny's yeah. getting the start this week. Yeah, so I'm, I'm willing to just give it over Aaron Rodgers. You know, unless there's a catastrophic week 17, even with that, I think it's still him. So, my point, how many years do we think Aaron Rodgers has left in the tank? And do we think all those years left in the tank are on Green Bay? I think the writing no. on the wall, the writing is on the wall for his end in Green Bay. I really do, despite this MVP season. Obviously, they go out and draft Jordan Love in the first round, which arguably made him play better this season just because he wanted to show the organization that they were wrong and he's not done yet. Um, but he is 36. Um, even if he plays two more years and Love sits the first three years of his career, I, I, I think he's they're going to be done with him in Green Bay after his age, you know, 38 season, whatever it is. If And at that point, I think he still could play. You know, we've seen guys like Brady and, and Breeze play well into their 40s at this point. And I don't think Rodgers is very different just because he's so super talented and he's very smart about the about the game. He knows what he's doing. It's not all about the physical tools he has. Um, I just think the writing's on the wall uh, in the end. And he probably has, I would say, two years left in Green Bay. Uh, and then after that, if he doesn't retire, I think he, he does move on to somewhere else. Yeah, I think... Oh, is he 37? How old's Brady 43. now? 43. 43? Yeah, Brady can play till 43. I think Rodgers can hit 42. Because um, Rodgers is playing, if not better, just as good as Brady was at age 37. Uh, you could actually probably better um, say probably better, but I, I just don't know if it's all going to be in Green Bay because everything Jake said is right. Like, they did draft that quarterback in the first round. Will he want to resign if, like, another situation where, like, a team's got a ton of receivers and a good offense throws him a contract? Uh, so I don't know where it'll be in, like, two years from now, but I think he's got, like, five years left. Okay, but my question to you then, Lunas, to just follow up on that one is, 
how many years does he have left being in QB one in 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 fantasy here? That's a good question. Um, I'll say. Uh, that's where that's the it's point. Tough. It's really iffy here. I I wish I knew if he was going to be in Green Bay or not. Uh, I'll go two and that third year he's a high QB two. So Just real quick, Tom Brady has is right now. Uh, let me pull it up. But last I saw, Tom Brady was definitely a QB one, and he is. He's yeah, QB, I think he was like QB ten or he something. QB eight with a good week this week against the uh, the Lions. Uh, he just went off against the Lions, and he doesn't seem to be slowing down. Obviously, he's got some help with Evans and Gronk and Godwin and all those weapons he has. Even with Ronald Jones out, you know, Fournette steps in, and they have McCoy, I think, on the bench, just inactive most weeks. But if if he's put in a situation like that, I think he could produce very, very good numbers into his 40s, like Brady has. So, real quick, yeah. um, Rodgers is under contract until 2023, um, or I think the 2023 offseason, so pretty much 2024. So, he is under contract with the Packers for the foreseeable future. Yeah, uh, that's where I was going. I, I think he'll, you know, ride this contract out and – Aaron Rodgers isn't someone I see who's going to want to play like happily in his career. I don't think Aaron Rodgers wants to be like 42 years old still lining up behind center kind of thing. Um, you got to think with these guys, like a lot of it's about legacy now and like what they're leaving behind. If Aaron Rodgers gets another Super Bowl, I, I don't know. He might just call it quits then. Like, I, I just don't see him playing that late into his career. Um, so, yeah, I, I think I'll give him three years all on Green Bay and then retire. I'll be it for him. I think he retires after three. Mm-hmm. He'd be 40. I still think and that will line up right when his contract ends. His contract ends when he is 40 years old. So, I honestly, I think I agree with JT. I think that there is a good chance he rides out this contract. Maybe if he's really feeling it, extends it one more year, and then he's gone after that. Do you, saying, do you Tom, think, like leaving Green Bay or retiring? Because I agree he'll leave Green Bay then. I don't know. If retire. He's retire. I think he like Drew Brees. I'm pretty sure is 41. I think he's lasting to a similar vein of Drew Brees, where he'll last long enough to break all those passing records, have a shot in the playoffs for for the foreseeable future. I mean, he's got a good chance at a ring now, and then four years from now, three years from now, it, it's done. Once he gets all those records, basically. Could That's you fair. see? Could you see it could happen on either side, their management or Rogers himself pushing their way out. Their management pushing Rogers out of Green Bay or Rogers like pushing himself out of Green Bay. Like, could you see that happening? Because um, I mean, what we've seen from management kind of seems like they don't really care much about Rogers. They care more about the team's interests going forward. Um, so is there a chance that Rodgers doesn't fulfill his contract with Green Bay? They move his contracts elsewhere, or they um, he just retires and is like, never mind, like I'm good two years in kind of thing. 
I mean, we saw it with Favre, and I, I, I don't. I'm not going to say it's going to follow a Favre situation, but it kind of has. You know, with them drafting a first round quarterback, um, and having him sit now for two, three, maybe even four years, depending on how long they're willing to wait uh, and how long Rodgers wants to play for. I'm not going to say that it won't happen, but I'm not going to say it will. I think they respect Rodgers a lot. They brought He brought him a Super Bowl. He's been their team face of the franchise for the past 15 years. Uh, I don't think they'd really force him out in, in a Brett Favre-esque way. I was going to say, can you imagine Packers fans if they force him out and Jordan Love isn't already like a stud? And Aaron Rodgers yeah, goes to another team and just starts, still has like another 35 yard, uh, 35 touchdown season. Possible. That I mean, backlash would be they got terrible. Lucky. I'm not going to say they got lucky. I mean, when Rodgers took over for Favre, no one really expected him to be this good. And then he turned out to be, I guess, better than Favre, which is hard to do. So, yeah. I don't know if I have enough faith in Jordan Love, but obviously it'd be years from then, so we'll see. Could be like a Jimmy G. Brady thing. Uh, and if that's the last on that, I can get into my fantasy highlights this week. My first one, a lot of people have been waiting on him to really make, to really kind of have his breakout, breakout game this season. Uh, he was one of the second, or he probably was drafted in the second round of your rookie draft running backs. Been stuck behind Aaron Jones all year, but A.J. Dillon finally had his breakout game in the snow up against Tennessee. Uh, he had him getting the exact numbers. 21 carries for 124 yards. And behind him, Aaron Jones. Huh? He had two touchdowns, right? Yeah, and then also two touchdowns. And behind him, Aaron Jones had 10 for 94. Seeing if he had any catches. Uh, no, yeah, it was just the carries. Um, but he looked great. He looked, um, he looked amazing. It's finally like they were able to um, let him like have 20-plus touches in a game, and it paid off. So I'm, I'm kind of inferring. First, it's two. It's a two-part question involving both the running backs. Being one, how are we feeling about AJ Dillon moving forward into next season and on? And two, how do we feel about Aaron Jones entering free agency? He's probably. I know there's a lot of free agent backs. I'd say probably Aaron Jones is the number one free agent back, unless I'm missing anyone. I know there's like Chris Carson, um, James Conner. I take Aaron Jones over him too. Yeah. So Aaron Jones. Um, Oh, what do you say, Jake? No, I think he is the number one back. Yeah. Yeah. So he'll he'll be entering free agency. Uh, I don't know what teams would be. Maybe Atlanta. Maybe Miami. Maybe the Jets. Uh, we'll have to wait and see. But how do we feel about both of them moving forward? Yeah. So. Go for it, JT. Yeah, my thing is it's hard to. It's hard for me personally to buy someone after one game. I mean, it was tough for me to do that with Cam Akers. It was tough for me with Jalen Hurts. Um, now we're talking A.J. Dillon. It's only been one game. It was a weird, freaky game where there was a, they were in the snow. It looked like the Titans just didn't know how to play in the snow and that they were afraid to, like, run around. Like, it was weird. Um, so I'm cautious still on optimistic. Uh, I'm cautious, not optimistic, on A.J. Dillon. Um you know, if someone else wants to overpay for him, like I'd gladly sell him if I had him. Um, and I would not be upset if 
the owner in my league sold him to another team and I missed out on him because I, I you still have uh what's his name Jamal Williams there he was out injured so you don't know what's going to happen next year going on with that so for your first question I'm not sold on AJ Dillon yet I do think he has a chance of becoming top running back on Green Bay but I just I don't know if that really equates too much because it could definitely be a timeshare. Uh, with the second part, I do think what's happened though is that we've seen AJ Dillon and Jamal Williams do enough where the Packers probably feel that they're okay without paying Aaron Jones a bunch of money. And I bet Aaron Jones believes that he can, you know, get a solid deal going elsewhere. I think he hired Drew Rosenhaus as his agent. Um, wouldn't be shocked if he ended up in a team like Miami or something um, where he'll be making a bunch of money. So what I expect with Aaron Jones moving forward is I don't think he maintains his same value. I think automatically moving to a different team is going to drop his value a little bit just because we've seen how good the Packers offensive line is. Um, he's got a top quarterback who's, you know, able to keep the box pretty clean kind of situation but I do still think he will be a solid running back going forward um I think if he does sign with a team like Miami or if he signed with a team like Pittsburgh or you know even the Falcons or something like he goes to one of those teams I think I would sell on the hype of him moving because I don't think he'll maintain the same kind of season that he's currently maintaining but he is someone that I'm also not panicked about where I think his value will just tank, you know, wherever he goes. I, I think he will be serviceable for the next two, three years, definitely. Yeah, I mean, much to add. Um, the only thing I would I would add is I, I do think that uh, if the Packers had to choose who would be in the 1A or the 1B in the Jamal Williams, uh, A.J. Dillon backfield? I do think it would be A.J. Dillon getting the majority of the carries there. Um, he just seems like he's a monster. And in college, you saw him just run over guys at BC. Um, and, and in Monday Night Football or Sunday Night Football, whatever game that was, uh, he looked like a monster. Obviously, like JT said, it was a weird game in the snow, and the Titans just seemed like they didn't know, didn't want to run, didn't want to slip, didn't want to do anything in that game. But uh, he looked like a beast, and he, I think he would be the one to take the majority of the carries should Aaron Jones leave in free agency. Yeah, I, I see Jamal Williams being the receiving back. And if you can get Jamal Williams cheap next year, I don't hate that because I think he'll get a lot of the receiving work we saw Aaron Jones have past two years where Aaron Jones has been really successful in the receiving game. And I think uh, Jamal Williams could will be interested in that. Because whenever Aaron Jones is out in Jamal Williams' place, he always goes off in fantasy. So I think he's, a, depending on what the owner's asking for, I think he could be a little interesting buy as a flex piece some weeks. And I agree with uh, what both of you said. I'm interested to see what happens with him in free agency. So I do want to um, add the, the Titans – um, it's not just in snow games. The Titans defense looks like dog crap, rain, shine, snow. I think they, they don't know what to do, first off. Second off, I was talking with Lunas about the Aaron Jones situation. One thing I want to watch out for is if Nathaniel Hackett, the, path, the, the Packers offensive coordinator, 
gets a head coaching job in a place maybe like in Atlanta or like in New York for the Jets, if he wants to go in and bring Aaron Jones in as a free agent. That's something that I would look out for, and I think that could retain Aaron Jones's value if you're an Aaron Jones owner that's scared of him losing value in free agency. I agree that that would help retain the value, Frank, but I just don't see it being um, equivalent just because whatever team he goes to isn't going to have Aaron Rodgers playing quarterback and isn't going to have three all pros on the, the their offensive line. So it's going to be a downgrade a little bit at least, but I do think that would help retain some value. That'd be an interesting scenario because I do think he's one of the top uh, kind of head coach candidates with what he's done with that Green Bay offense the last two years. Um, and so my second highlight this week is obviously we're entering the offseason now. Trade Trades are being back open in a ton of leagues. You can evaluate your roster, decide what moves you want to make for next year. I wanted to ask, what QBs for you, I got to obviously the starting QBs that are on most teams, who are you trying to sell this offseason? Yeah, so... What position-wise? What are we talking here? Quarterbacks. Yeah, QBs. Um, so a couple come to mind straight away. And I might sound like a hater or non-believer or whatnot, but um, ones I'm thinking of right off the top of the head, um, Taysom Hill and Jalen Hurts, guys that we've seen um, play pretty well recently. Um, you know... Are two totally different stories. Jason Hill, I just don't see him being able to captain a team and really lead them. Like he's able to run around, sure he can pass a little bit, sure, but he's just I, I haven't seen a whole, like he had a, okay, like a decent game against the Broncos when they didn't have anyone um, at quarterback, so they basically could just run it the whole time. He played against Atlanta, who had a bad defense, and he played against Philly, who had a bad defense. Um, so it's like he played four bad defenses in one team that literally didn't have quarterback. Um, and all of a sudden, people are convinced that he's going to be the starter in the future for the Saints, which could be. But is he going to be a QB1 or QB2? Like, I don't know. I don't think so. I'd be willing to bet more so no than yes. And if someone's willing to buy him uh, – with the belief that he will be a top quarterback on the Saints, I'm going ahead and selling him. On the flip side, someone like Jalen Hurts, um, I know that they benched Carson once for him. I know the Eagles have looked better with Jalen Hurts in. I'm still not convinced that the Eagles just don't keep once and, and have him battle, battle it out in the training camp. And Wentz could end up being the starter. Like it's definitely within the realm of possibility that once comes back and isn't the starter. It's also within the realm of possibility that teams haven't really figured out Jalen Hurts yet. He's only had a couple games. I mean, I know people say this about Lamar Jackson. We're saying this about Lamar Jackson when he was a rookie and then, you know, the beginning of his uh, monster second year. But I'm just – I just don't see it with Jalen Hurts like a lot of other people do. I think he's okay, but I'm not convinced he's someone that um, – will be a starting quarterback like two, three years from now. So he's someone I definitely sell on the hype too. Um, the only other person I throw in there for right now, he's a, he's a big one, is Dak. Probably held him. He's probably gained a lot of value since he got hurt. 
um, you know, like, because you know he's coming back, because we know he's recovering. Um, he still hasn't signed with the Cowboys. I'm pretty convinced that he will sign with the Cowboys. Um, but one, that's not entirely sure, and more so two, you know the Cowboys are going to get uh, their defense. You know they just have to. It's, I've said it before, it's like impossible for them to have worse defense than they currently do. It's almost historically bad. And there's also Michael Gallup and Mark Cooper aren't tied to the organization that long. So it's going to be C.D. Lamb. And who else? I don't know. Zeke's aging, but Tony Pollard has looked good. So you probably will have Tony Pollard two or three years from now. Um, it's just I, I just don't trust the Cowboys organization to build around Dak. Um, I don't know. Call me Jerry Jones hater, Stephen Jones hater. I just I, I don't think they can get it together. Um, and keep Dak at the top value that he is now. Because you could probably get QB5 the value for Dak. Um, and that's a price that I'd sell at. Yeah. So I'm not going to say this guy's a must-sell, but he was a guy I talked about last week in my Take the Floor segment. It's Lamar Jackson. I, I would sell Lamar Jackson this year. Like I said, he's coming off, you know, four straight pretty big games against, you know, not great defenses. And I, I'm just not a per big fan of running quarterbacks personally. I just always think they're, you know, one hit away from being a completely different player. Look at, you know, RG3, um, and there really hasn't been any other running quarterbacks in this league, in the NFL, that have lasted that long. Um, and I just think running quarterbacks in general are a ticking time bomb, and, like, eventually their time is going to run out. Uh, Lamar's now done it for two and, a half full, two and a half seasons as a starter, it seems like. Um, he's been, you know, great. He won an MVP. Uh, this season was a little down, and then at the end, he really picked it back up again. And I think it really, like I said last week, left a good taste in fantasy owners' mouths. Um, and it'll raise that price. You like, you can probably get like a top five dynasty QB value for Lamar Jackson right now, and I think it's worth it, especially like I said in this draft where it's very QB heavy, and I think you can find a replacement that's not in the league right now, and that as well as getting pieces to build your roster around it. So if you can get, you know, 202 maybe, or not 202, 102, sorry, and and a wide receiver and a running back, like definitely trade Lamar Jackson. You'll be able to get him to build your roster, make a better full-rounded roster, and you'll be better for it in the end. Yeah. Um, I like both those takes. Uh, Hurts is tough for me because I kind of want to wait and see because if Wentz does leave, I think he's very interesting. But Taysom Hill, I agree with you on, including, and then Dak also. Because I also think with Dak, if anyone's expecting those first five games to be continued next season, I don't, I don't see how that happens. I don't think they could possibly be playing from behind way more than they were the first five games. Uh, my guy, uh, Frank, me and Frank uh, had a little conversation about this. I don't know if he agreed. I don't think he agreed. But um, I, I personally would be trying to sell Teddy Bridgewater just to kind of see what I can get. I know it's kind of a cop out, huh? He's just Teddy Bridgewater. Like he's gonna be what he's gonna be. He's like gonna be a middle of the road quarterback, and they'll probably draft one in the top five this year anyway. So there, there, there are some people who don't think they're gonna draft a quarterback, and that's kind of the, I guess, audience I'm trying to sell them to. Uh, I don't know what you guys would do if you own Teddy Bridgewater. If you would just ride it out and keep him, or try to sell him this off season. He. He feels like someone with the writing on the wall where you know he's not going to lead you to a Super Bowl. 
So at that point, he's someone that is automatically in contention for losing his starting job. Um, so it's tough with players like that. Like, you know, last year, someone probably was trying to sell Dwayne Haskins, probably trying to sell, I don't know, a couple of years ago, Josh Rosen prior to the draft kind of thing. Like, there are a lot of players that you, like, try and sell based on, you know, name recognition and, and value. and But it's it's always so hard to get an owner to bite on it to give you at least, like, somewhat fair value. Because right? if you sell a discount, that's fine. But I, I feel like even with those players, like, you're not going to get, like, even a discounted value, like a nice discount value. Like, it's it's always hard. Like, you look at different um, trade sites and whatnot, and you see who the most popular traded players are. Surprisingly, it's more of like those, those RB twos, wide receiver twos, like you know, like not so much in superflex, like the lower end quarterback twos. Like the the low end guys aren't sold nearly as much as like you'd think they would be. Like even if they are thrown in package deals and whatnot. And you know, to me, Teddy Bridgewater is a a lower third probably of quarterbacks in the league. So it's always hard for people to agree on value for Teddy Bridgewater. Um, I do agree though, like what Lunas was saying, like if you could find that audience that doesn't think they're going to draft a quarterback and that he'll be a solid quarterback too going into next year and beyond, that would be someone I'm trying to sell to. But it, for me, it's just so hard to find those people. Like I feel like everyone's become so much more knowledgeable at this point And like they, they kind of, know what's going on in the league yeah they listened to our podcast all season so now they're clearly knowledgeable <laughs> twitter twitter is probably what mainly changes that twitter you're able to follow everything like so closely and like everything's reported on to almost the minute like it's so much easier to keep up with what teams are thinking and whatnot um so at least the public the public gets way more access than they probably would have a few years ago even so it's tough. That's fair. Yeah, I was I was really gonna say Dak is my main one, but JT took it and made a good argument. Um, <laughs> Sorry, did not. Know. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, so now we can enter our trending up and trending down segment. We've got Jake uh, entering first with your trending up. Your guy, the QB. My man, Maserati. Maserati. She's back, boys. He's back. He's trending up this week. He had another good performance this week against the Jaguars, albeit the Jaguars are the Jaguars and they stink. Um, but he went, you know, 24-35, 265, uh, two touchdowns, one pick, added 10 yards on the ground on two attempts and a rushing touchdown. He looked good. And the thing is, since the, the, the Bears have put him back at starting quarterback, they've looked better. He's been no doubt the better quarterback between him and Nick Foles this season. Um, I've heard rumors that they might keep – they've already said they're going to keep Matt Nagy for next season, and I've heard rumors that they might keep him for next season since they're not going to be in position to draft a quarterback. My question to you boys is, obviously he's trending up for the rest of uh, – for since he's played well to end, at the end of the season, but if he is the starting quarterback next year, how much faith do you have in Maserati Mitch, boys? JT shaking his head, just um, going no. <laughs> <laughs> None. <laughs> uh, do you want to take this one or do you want me? <laughs> I, I, I'll just go quick, then you can get into it. I, I'll say he could be the starter next year. 
because I don't know. I don't think the Bears would be at the top of the draft where they can get one of those top QBs. So I wouldn't be shocked if they brought him back on a one-year, two-year cheap deal. Um, but I think once he gets announced as a starter coming back for next year, I think that's when I kind of listen to offers. With him. He is a free agent since they didn't pick up his fifth-year option. So he is a free agent. Yeah. Um. So it's going to depend on what happens there first. But if he resigns for, you know, a three-year deal, a three-year team-friendly deal kind of deal, it would be a perfect time to sell Mitch, I, I think. I, I just – I would hate to be a Bears fan. Um, <laughs> you're yeah. just always living right in the middle. Just hearing that Matt Nagy's coming back, like, I don't hate the coach. I, I think he's average. It's just that's what they live in. They live in average. The Bears are just always average, and it's it's, it's so painstaking that you like you buy into this team every year, and like oh we're gonna make the playoffs, we're gonna do well, and then either they they barely make the playoffs or they miss it, and if they do make it, it's heartbreaking losses like the double doink. Um, so side tangent to Mitch Trubisky, I think he's just left such a sour taste in like so many people's mouths that like it's going to be so hard to find good value for Mitch Trubisky I almost prefer he just got like benched after his rookie year and then all of a sudden just like started to come along and people were like whoa like I feel like he'd have way more value than you know him starting the past three years and then getting benched into his fourth year and then coming back and having a resurgence I think people have just seen enough of him that they're you know, willing to take a pass on him and just be like, yeah, it's not worth me going out and buying. Now, could he end up being like the Ryan Tannehill of a couple of years ago, where or this was just last year? That's crazy to think about, actually. Uh, sure, but I'm not willing to bet on it. I just don't believe in Mr. Trubisky. He's, <laughs> I'm not buying him. If someone gives me any solid offer, I'm selling him. Like, what would you take <laughs> for him, JT? What would you take for him? I, I, would you take an early, Would you take like the first pick of the third round for Trubisky? Third round, no, because at the end of the day, he is currently a starting quarterback, and that goes for something. That goes, you know. Um, it is I think I'm like, looking for a late second. You know, we yeah, I think I would give. I'd give a late second. I, hold certainly. on, hold on, JT. It's just PSA to anyone that is going to buy Mitchell Trubisky. Do yourself a favor and just look up Mitchell Trubisky lowlights on YouTube and then rethink your decision to pay a second round pick for him. Just please do that before you go to buy him. I would I would give up him Trubisky for a second, but like I just don't I don't like third round picks. Like Cord's like not, not bad, but like at the end of the day, he's a starting quarterback in a super flex league, and that means something. Like, even if he's just your straight buy, up, if he's straight your, up, who would you rather have right now, Jordan Love or Trubisky? Oh, Jordan Love, easily <laughs> just because you don't know what Jordan Love is, you know what Trubisky is. Like, there's a chance Jordan Love could be amazing. Like, <laughs> I don't see Mitch Trubisky being amazing. Um, hey, he was the it's number just, two overall pick now. We all yeah, know Trubisky's going to be on the bench behind a quarterback in a year or two. I, like, sooner or later, we know years, it's coming. Yeah. In, in two years, yeah. But, but 
people like you know just just for like the the filling for for bye weeks you play them for two weeks that's worth something compared to a third round pick where you don't know like you might be getting someone that just never sees the field like if we go to our rookie draft last year and we look at the only I mean, obviously yeah, Jake Obviously, Clay there's Chase Clay three on one. Outside of that, there was not a single Chase guy. Really yeah. I'd rather have Mitch Trubisky over Darrington Evans. I'd rather have him over Josh Kelly. Uh, Anthony McFarland's kind of where I'd be like, I haven't seen anything really from Anthony McFarland though. Make me want him over Mitch Trubisky. Um, same with Van Jefferson and Antonio Gandy Golden. On the flip side, Jalen Hurts is there. I would definitely take Jalen Hurts over Mitch Trubisky. Um, Jacob Eason, I why was he even picked there? I would put Darnell Mooney in the third round conversation as well. Personally, I know I had him graded as a third round talent, I know general consensus was that he was not, but I think that he should be roped in there. Just where'd he go in our draft? Fourth, yes, fourth Second. round, fourth. Okay, yeah. no, he went in the fifth, went in the fifth, yeah, he went five three. Uh, random sign tangent, but I take Darnell Mooney over Mitch Trubisky. So what I'm getting at is, sure, could you hit in the third round? Yeah. Is it likely? It looks like you have somewhere around the 10 to 20% chance of hitting in the third round. Um, at that point, it's just like, I'd rather just keep Mitch and be like, screw it. Like, <laughs> give me the couple weeks of 12 points <laughs> and the <laughs> torture by <laughs> well it's not the torture. i'm saying it i'm saying it from a position of like mitch trubisky would then be my third quarterback because like mitch trubisky's your second quarterback like reevaluate your team you're cutting out a little bit on mine i don't know if you are on other people's but it, it is something yeah it's something where I, I'm just going to ride with Mitch at that point because I just don't think any other value is going to become a starting quarterback value. Like, So, yeah, that's where I'm at. There's a lot of talk about Mitchell Trubisky, more than I think Deserves any it. podcast should have on, unless you're a Bears podcast and you're just, like, into torture. <laughs> like, you should become a Bears podcast <laughs> and just talk about Trubisky every week. I wish you not. Definitely not. Dave Montgomery. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> down of the week. It's it was it's James Conner. Um, he's actually coming off a pretty decent week. He, I think he had 15 fantasy points, but he only had five carries for 20 yards, which is you know not bad. Four yards a carry. He added you know a few four catches. I think it was uh, which is his ties his season high in in receptions. I don't know. This Steelers team just seems to be completely moving in the wrong direction in all cylinders, uh, except for the second half where they went off. Um, but prior to that, they were all going in the wrong direction. Um, and on top of this, James Conner is a free agent at the end of the year. I think Benny Snell and McFarlane, I don't know. I don't know if there will be the guy or they re-sign Conner, but it's just – it adds so much – uh, unknown to James Conner that right now I just don't like him dynasty-wise here. I I feel like most would agree. Um, yeah, I don't I don't think the Steelers are be one of the futures on their roster right now. Um, for like the next couple of years, I don't know if they'll add one in free agency or through the draft. Uh, 
But at the same time, I really wouldn't be shocked at all if James Conner returned on like a cheaper deal to Pittsburgh. I could totally see that happening. So um, it's kind of a wait and see with him. But yeah, I'm not I'm not big on him. Side note with the Steelers, I'm really interested to see what they do in QB because I think Big Ben retires after this year. That's just a so side comment. Yeah. I thought he hinted that he was coming back. Uh, yeah, yeah no. I, I'm pretty sure he did say he was coming back already. Also, just a quick side note about that this future Steelers running back is not on the team. The Steelers building is much higher on Anthony McFarland than the public is, which I'm not saying that that means that Anthony McFarland will be a starter. He's looked pretty bad in the snaps that he's played. But A, he's really raw. B, I think he has the talent. And C, the fact of the matter is, is that you could probably pick him up for a third, a mid-third round pick on draft night to an owner that is not high on him, that just wants to get out for the price that they paid. Yeah, I agree. Probably with that. Could get I watched, you know, Anthony McFarlane for three years at University of Maryland. Um, he was a great player there. You know, he just really had some electric plays, some big plays. Um, he's a very talented running back. And I know the Steelers have a lot of ties to the University of Maryland. Um, um, Mike Tomlin's son is a wide receiver on the team. Uh, so, you know, it, they don't draft a guy that they have all these ties to if they don't think he's a good player. Um, and and I just think he's going to get a shot next year, especially if James Conner is no longer on the roster. Yeah, the one point I'll add on this, and then I think we can move on, is like, James Conner, I think if he does end up resigning with the Steelers, he's not going to have the same role where he will be the lead back. Like, definitely think it's going to be a shared committee point if he does end up resigning with the Steelers. And if he doesn't, I don't really see him being the lead role guy anywhere else either. I don't see a team going out and paying him for that duty. Um, so, yeah, I'm low on him as well. I don't really know where we go from there if we're James Conner owners. Really quickly, what what is value be? Yeah, what is his value right now? Um, mid second. I think about for James Conner. Take a mid second. Like, yeah, just throwing that out there. Like mid, like not a late second, but like that mid late, like two o two o eight, two o nine, somewhere around there. I would be happy. Probably somewhere around there. I would be happy with that. Please, someone give me 209 for him. I'll take it right now. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't even know if I would do, but I think that's what I'd be looking for in return. I think a late second round. Yeah. I think if you're a James Conner out here, yeah, if you're a James Conner owner, I think you're looking to package him in a deal. For someone else, you know, like a first in James Conner for someone that's good, you know, I don't know, but like just straight up value, I do think a late second is probably about his price range. I two weights probably more than I'd give up, but two twelve is definitely something I would consider. One, one so last hard. thing, but mm-hmm. that I want to say, just as a Steelers fan, is that we all just have to remember that the Steelers' offensive line and and the running scheme that they use is not friendly towards any running back. And I think that when we we are really trashing these Steelers' running backs, yeah, I'm not going out and buying James Conner any leagues. 
But at the same time, I think that if he gets, if James Conner is getting to a point where you can get him for a good enough deal, he might be worth the dart throw, especially if he leaves the Steelers, because I could see him as a back that goes to a team as a number two guy that maybe is able to carve himself out a role on, on a team elsewhere that isn't in Pittsburgh in a team that really struggles to run the football for the past two to three seasons. It's a good point. So uh, I think that wraps up our discussion on James Conner. If JT wants to move into his uh, trending up, trending down this week. Yeah. Um, so my trending up is, believe it or not, these are these are all players that are actually in, on Jake's team in our league. Uh, he has Mitch Trubisky, he has James Conner, and now my trending up <laughs> is Irv Smith. Um, yeah, let's just talk uh, about my whole team. I love it. I love to hear it, boys. Yeah. I mean, some of it's bashing, like the past two. Um, here, here I'll actually talk nice about one of your players. Um, I've liked Eric Smith for a little while now. I, I thought he was a breakout candidate for this year. It turns out Kyle Rudolph was a little more involved than we would have thought. And the out of Justin Jefferson and like what he's doing on a historic level almost um, has kind of taken that away from Irv Smith. But we've seen like what he's able to do without Kyle Rudolph. He had um, six catches for 53 yards and two touchdowns last week against the Saints, who in the past have been actually um, pretty good at defending against tight ends. Recently, they've not been as good. Um, so, you know, it's hard to take it its value for what it is. I think about Eric Smith. I think about someone who's going to have a lot of opportunity in front of him. You've got Kyle Rudolph, who's aging out. I just don't see him carrying, you know, the full snap share. I think he'll slowly fade out or even leave the Vikings, retire or whatnot. Um, so you've got opportunity in that sense. You've also got Adam Thielen aging and not really another solid wide receiver behind him and Jefferson. So... Smith is likely going to see targets and targets is what you need to be a top tight end. You know, it's just so murky after like tight end five that just seeing a consistent volume definitely catapults you into T uh, one conversation, um, you know, like a top 12 tight end. Um, so there's that. And there's also, he's younger than a decent amount of rookies this year. Adam Troutman, for example, Irv Smith's like a year younger than Adam Troutman. Um, I think he's older than Cole Komet, who was the other guy um, drafted. And then let me look up um, Harrison Bryant real quick. They're the same age. So Irv Smith's got one more year um, under his belt than these guys. He's had, you know, way more experience in a position that you need experience in to play. Um, he's looked good catching the ball. So Irv Smith is someone that I'm putting as trending up. I, you know, Kirk Cousins trusts him in the red zone, as we've seen. So I think he's someone that could definitely be a breakout tight end going into next year and someone who I believe will be a TE1 uh, next year. Yeah, I think I talked about him uh, two weeks ago when we did our, you know, guys to watch out for in the offseason. He was one of the guys I mentioned. JT had talked about it already, but he was, you know, the youngest player in the league last season. He's still younger than many rookies this season. Um, at a position that really it, it's hard to develop at. Not many come in and dominate right away. So I, I think giving Irv Smith another season uh, where he's now going to 
develop, get even stronger, get even bigger, um, learn the offense some more, uh, get more comfortable in the offense, get more trust from Kirk Cousins. I think there's a really good chance that, like JT said, that he catapults himself up into that tight end one conversation, even though that's not really that difficult. After tight end five, it's pretty much just who, who has like five touchdowns. But, you know. Yeah. Um, I was going to say, I think you guys summed that up well. I'm, I'm high on him also. He's always been insanely talented. And like you guys mentioned, one of the youngest players in the NFL. I'm really interested to see him next season. I think I think you guys are right. He does get into that top ten uh, tight end scoring for next year. Uh, what was I going to say? Um, if nothing else, JT, do you want to get trending down? Um, so this one's a tough one because I was actually pretty high on him um, in the beginning of the year, it's even in the off season. Uh, he's someone that I thought with. Some offensive line help, uh, the weapons around him, he would actually have a QB one year, or at least, you know, high-end quarterback two. No, you know what? I thought he was going to be QB one. I'll, I'll own up to it. I'll admit it. I thought, say, isn't he QB 15? He is QB 15. I thought he was going to be QB one, um, top 10 probably even, going into the year. I was wrong. Eric Goff is my trending down. And the past five weeks have not been pretty. In the past five weeks, Goff has thrown five interceptions, four touchdowns. He lost to the Jets. <laughs> the Jets. Um, it's just, it's not look good. Um, I don't know. I, I don't have much to, to, else to say about him. I mean, he's got the long-term contract. I've been, like, searching, trying to figure out why he's not playing nearly as well. I've seen people starting to suspect that it could be Sean McVay's play calling has become predictable. And they're finally starting to catch on to Sean McVay. I just don't know. I I don't know what went wrong with Jared Goff because he's got the weapons. His offensive line is still shaky, especially when Whitworth went down. Um, but even with that, I, I thought he'd have a better year, and he hasn't. And I think for a lot of people, Jared Goff's value has been going pretty far down. I, we talked about it recently. A lot of people would rather have Jalen Hurts over Jared Goff, and I would still hold off. I think I'm in the minority in that regard. Um, yeah, what do you guys think? Um, I, Jalen Hurts or Jared Goff is a good question. Uh, I think I would take the chance on Hurts, but it's insanely close. Because when Hurts plays, I think his rushing floor makes him kind of better, but Jared Goff, you have this ability. Because that's the one good thing about Jared Goff. You know he's going to be the quarterback there for a while. Like, you know his job's pretty much safe. Uh, the, I know the Rams are super high on him. Uh, they still all love him. So he will still be there. And I think, you know, I think people were kind of hoping he'd take that step into like a top 10 QB this season. And I think I don't think it's out of question for a future year, but I guess how I'm always gonna view him is he's he's a high QB too. Like it's he's gonna be in that um probably somewhere like fourteen to sixteen range. He ended up exactly at fifteen this year. Uh especially with like some of these younger guys coming in who I expect to play well, who are athletic and will give you rushing floors. He's gonna be somewhere that I don't know what's up with him. And JT, that's a good question where you said you try to find it and maybe McVeigh's play calls are kind of predictable. I'm gonna kind of look into that too now because I'm interested. But yeah, I don't I don't know what it is. Like, I mean, when you watch the Rams, it is kind of like 
a lot of the same like it's a lot of crossing routes um with cup and uh with cup and woods the running game has been inconsistent throughout the year so maybe that having a full healthy acres fall of next season can help but i don't know he's better this year than he was last year but he wasn't the jump that i think a lot of people are hoping for and he's hit like a cold stretch recently Yeah, and to build off that, uh, sorry, one second, Jake. Just to build off that, though, with the cold stretch and whatnot and his stability, I'm concerned with against divisional opponents. He's had three touchdowns to four interceptions this year. Like, not play good in division. And, you know, that's those are the most important games. He's going to miss the game against Arizona this week. But in the five other games, he only threw three touchdowns, which is not something you want out of your quarterback. Um, so I know he's got the long-term contract and whatnot, but I'm concerned going forward. Like, I'm not convinced. I think he'll definitely have the job next year, but I'm not convinced two years from now he's the Rams starting quarterback, where months ago I definitely thought he would be the starting quarterback of L.A. He plays well against Arizona. The the Rams own Arizona. They That's they fair, haven't but... lost in like the past three seasons, four seasons to them, and most of those games have not even been close. None of them have been within seven points. Forty Niners own that that yeah. But yeah, other than Arizona, had, uh... he struggles. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. The 49ers 49ers were like, yeah, were like two of his worst, uh, actually four of his worst teams were came against um, the 49ers and the Seahawks. Um, yeah, he does. Actually, I'm looking at it now. He, he does have good games against Arizona. <laughs> yeah. Um, but on the front that you think Jared Goff is, uh, you know, going to be the starting quarterback um, long term, I'm not so sold on that. Um, he was obviously, you know, the, the former number one overall pick. They get they did give Got him paid. the massive extension, but after the 2022 season, so not next season, but after the following one, there's an out in his contract for only eight million in dead cap. Which if the if the Rams don't make the playoffs, uh, I think there's a good chance you know in the in the following seasons that he could be out just because you know there's an out in his contract. He hasn't been great. You could argue like he's not a Super Bowl caliber quarterback. They might want to move on and take a chance on I'll somebody else. Yeah. He did I, bring the bear once, but he kind of shut the bed. Yeah, but after that one yeah. season, uh, after that one amazing season from from McVay, his play like everyone's caught on to what he's been doing, and I I think his plays have become very predictable. And teams are just knowing what's being run before the play is being, you know, before it actually happens. And that's why you see the downtick in, you know, Jared Goff's numbers. And that's, that's why the Rams offense sometimes looks very just stagnant. Like nothing goes on for long periods of time in uh, many games this season when you watch them. I and you just go, what happened? Because they're one of the most bipolar teams in the entire league. One week you watch them and they put up, you know, 40. And the next week they're putting up six versus the Jets. Like, it just makes no sense. This play calling has been – drives me nuts, and I just don't know what to do. But I don't know Jared Goff long-term is as stable as one may think. 
the flip side though, do you think new play calling if they brought in a coordinator, um, you know, they, they really tailored the game. Didn't they bring one in last offseason? Might be wrong. They, they I I think you might be right. I'm saying like, you know, they just retool, overhaul, like they can't really go out and get many people because of their cap situation. So you know that they're not going to go out and sign a new quarterback or whatnot. Um, but they really retool everything and really put Goff as the centerpiece, right? Do you think, like, I think he could still be good. Like, at his this is his worst year since his rookie year, uh, fantasy-wise, fantasy-wise, right? And he's quarterback 15. So it's like, I don't know. I, you know what I think? I think Goff is kind of like, kind of in a way similar to Baker, where they need, because if we remember Goff's best years, that team was like kind of a run first team, and Gurley would dominate where he would be successful off the play action. And like he would be able to play well when they had like a dangerous running game. They haven't had as consistent a running game the past two seasons. And I think they can next year with Akers and then Henderson filling in here and there. But I think if that's the case, it'll help him because I do think he's one of those quarterbacks where he does need the um, the defense to be more afraid of the wrong game and go off the play action, kind of like how Baker does. We saw Baker struggle a ton when they couldn't get the wrong game going against the Jets. So I think that could be something because uh, his most successful years were the years where Todd Gurley was just going crazy. Uh, so maybe that's it. But again, I, I'm not fully sure. But I think that's a good point in terms of this was a bad year and he was still QB 15. So. I think that's 100% right, Lunas. I think he needs the running game, and he needs the play-action pass to be very effective for him to be a top quarterback. And I, without Todd Gurley being you know, the best running back in the league, it's going to be very hard um, for me at least to see him being anywhere in that you know, top, even mid-QB1 conversation. Yeah. Right. Who are your guys, Lunas? Uh, so my training up, he's kind of a ran- it was kind of a random one, but and it, this game kind of came out of nowhere to me. But David Johnson looked great last weekend, and I think I think people are kind of writing him off as kind of like maybe like after this season, kind of fully washed. But he was showing some explosive. He was showing a lot of explosiveness last week. I'm pulling up his exact numbers. He had um hundred yards, he, touchdowns. Yeah, he had twelve carries for one twenty eight. Uh, including and a touchdown, including a 48-yard run, and he had three catches for 11 more yards. I think he's going to be the starter again next season. Um, I mean, probably just because the Texans have no picks thanks to Bill O'Brien. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I think he's going to be a starter again next season. I think he's he's a good RB two for another year. Like I, I just know people were getting really low on him, um, looking for like. Years after this one, people thought this would kind of be the last year he'd be like useful and fantasy viable. But he's he still looks explosive, and I think he'll be a pretty decent player next year. I don't have a whole ton to say other than I just he just surprised me last weekend. I still think the best time he's been playing after week one this year. Oh, yeah, that's the best time to sell him probably before he got injured on the Cardinals. But you know, (laughs) you're not gonna sell him then, it doesn't make any sense. Um, but I'm still cautious about David Johnson just because you still have Duke Johnson who was injured the past two games and, uh, you know, essentially gave David Johnson all the carries. Um, I don't see it. It'll be interesting to see 
what the Texans' offense is going to look like because I don't, I don't think any of us really expect Romeo Cornell to be the uh, coach next year. They're going to hire someone new. Yeah, so it'll be totally, it could be a totally different look. Um, so it, it is I'll, – I'll touch on it in um, our Take the Floor segments. Um, but, yeah, I – I don't know. I wouldn't go out buying David Johnson thinking that he will be the starter next year, but you are right, Lunas. He has looked better than I expected. Much better than I expected. Yeah, and um, I said, not a whole ton of standing, but he just impressed me. Uh, I trending down. It's kind of a hot take, but and I don't really know what the full coaching strategy is with these decisions, because I'll explain what I would have done differently, but this is the second time Tua's gotten benched in, what, the last... Four weeks? How long ago was that, Broncos? Uh, that was one, two, three, four, six weeks ago. Oh, six. Okay, yeah. It's in in like the games he started. He's gotten benched twice in the fourth quarter. Um, he hasn't necessarily been bad, but I think besides that game against Kansas City, where against Kansas City he played well, none of the games have really kind of like, like really like wowed me, and even. I've even and I've gotten like wow games out of all the other QBs. Burrow at times where uh, like just surprised me and I was like, well, he's going to be really good. Even Jalen Hurts kind of had a game where I was like, whoa, that game against the um the Cardinals last week where he really impressed me. Tua hasn't really had that game where I'm just like I can get fully sold on him. Like I I don't I like I want to buy into him more. I don't know. And then like I start to think like oh, it was last year in college his receiving core was this is crazy to think about. Judy, Ruggs, Devontae Smith, and Jalen Waddle were his receivers last year in college, uh, which is probably better than most NFL teams. Um, and then Najee Harris and that Bama O-line behind him. And I'm starting to think, like, he's a good quarterback, then maybe he'd look a little bit better just because of what was around him. Um, I don't know. I wanted you to like, is is it too early to be at least just a little bit concerned about Tua? Yes. It is too early? Um. <laughs> Yes. Lunas. I think the thing with him is that he's right now, I guess it's called playing hesitant or or whatever it is. He's kind of like afraid to make mistakes, I feel like. Um, You know, and we've seen that where he really hasn't, you know, tried to force a ball into, into, you know, double coverage or he hasn't tried to, you know, make a throw down the sideline that, like, that's a really tough throw to make, you know, with a, with a corner right on his receiver. He hasn't pushed himself um, to, to, to become this, you know, star quarterback at this point. I think he's playing it very safe. We see it, you know, with a lot of, you know, play action and a lot of, you know, quick slants um, and things along those lines. But give him a full offseason to learn um, – the offense, give him a full offseason of, you know, being healthy because, you know, he just came coming in, into the draft. He was coming off that, that uh, was an ankle injury that he had at Bama that final season. So give, give him time. Uh, I just think Brian Flores is, is doing what's best for the team, which is in the long term starting Tua in the first place. But then he realizes his team is in the playoff hunt and Tua's not playing well. That's fine. He's a young kid, and he's making, you know, hesitant decisions here. Let's put in the gunslinger who's doing the opposite of what he's, of Tua is doing. You know, he's not afraid to throw the ball into double coverage, even triple coverage. Ryan Fitzpatrick does not give two shits <laughs> if, 
if like the whole team is covering a receiver, he's like, I got this, guys. I'm gonna wing it down there. Um, and and sometimes that's what that's this team Matt needs in order to you know kickstart the offense a little bit, and and it's worked. And I don't think either guy really cares that you know. I don't think Fitz cares that he's not starting. I don't think Tua cares that he gets benched. So as long as it you know works out, I I I think given time, Tua will eventually develop into what we did see at Bama. I mean, maybe not to that to the extent of his dominance because that team was just so much better than the team they played every other week, and that just doesn't happen in the NFL. Um, but I do think he will be a good quarterback, and he will be the Dolphins' long-term solution there. Yeah, so a few things about Tua. Um, I've seen some things I liked. I, I've seen some things that worry me. I definitely think the story's still unwritten about Tua. Um, if I'm a Tua owner, he's not someone I'm panicking on. I would be upset if I picked him over. Um, I don't know who would have done this, but you pick him over Burrow um, or Herbert. Um, I mean, he probably you know both Herbert those guys. Are, yeah, yeah. I'm talking about if you picked him over her, uh, Burrow, which I doubt many people did, but picking him over Herbert, you probably did do. Um, which is upsetting because you see both those guys were having really good years. I mean, Herbert Herbert um, is. Uh, number one rookie as far as passing touchdowns ever. Um, so it's, you know, it's not ideal that the other two rookie quarterbacks and now Jalen Hurts have been playing pretty well. But on the year, he's got 10 touchdowns to two interceptions, which is something I like. Something I don't like, which is a common theme, uh, which was really, um, I don't know, emphasized. I don't really know what the right word is, but he completed 17 passes last week for 94 yards. That's like six yards per completed pass. Like that means you'd have to complete 50 passes to hit 300 yards <laughs> and he's not a running quarterback. So like, <laughs> that's something that like I would be concerned about. And I feel like a lot of those yards too came on um, that Gaskin play, which, um, so I don't know. It's something it's, it's definitely like a, a scared quarterback, it seems like, or like an uncomfortable rookie who, like Jake said, is afraid to make the throws. I am excited about um, the draft and free agency and what the Dolphins have to do, though, because, you know, they have so much cap space. They have the draft picks. It's definitely possible Devontae Smith. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely possible Devontae Smith ends up on the Dolphins reunited with Tua, which would be a very good look um, for the Dolphins getting those two back together. Um so, yeah, he's not someone I'm worried about yet because you know that, you know, the, the team is still not 100% yet. Um, I think building around Tua, giving him a year of meshing with the guys and, you know, getting ready for uh, this upcoming season, I do think he will see a huge increase in um one, one more thing in Tua's defense that you guys kind of alluded to is that First off, his top two targets have been in health question, you know, in and out, playing banged up basically every week in Devontae Parker and Mike Gesicki. And like you guys said, he's not fitting balls into tight windows unless it's to those two guys. Those seem to be the only two players other than Gaskin that he really trusts in the passing game. And I think that's why you saw they put Ryan Fitzpatrick in because Ryan Fitzpatrick, he's a veteran. He's played with probably a thousand receivers 
throughout his career. So he doesn't have to rely on that trust that a young quarterback would have to rely on because he's just been doing it for so long. He knows where the football needs to go and can put it there. And, and like Jake said, he doesn't give a fuck. Whereas Tua <laughs> needs to have some of that trust. And, and that's what he really prided himself on at Bama. You know, the trust he had with Judy and Devontae Smith and, and all those sick receivers. So I do think that we need to be patient on Tua and let them enhance the weapons that they have in that offense and just let him be under the system and, and put get some experience under his belt. Not so true. I, yeah. Uh, Jake and JT, I kind of know JT. If if Wentz is traded, Hertz is announced the starter. Who are you taking between two or Hertz and fantasy? Tua. Yeah, I talked about it when I, I didn't hear what about Jake. Said. I talked about it when I talked oh, yeah, about yeah. um, you know, uh, Lamar Jackson selling him like running quarterbacks. I just think they have a shelf life. Um. I'm not talking about guys like Kyler because Kyler is a you know an not an elite but a a above you know top tier passer. He's good at sliding. What? I said yeah. Kyler avoids a lot of hits too with sliding. Well, he, he's a baseball player, and he knows how to slide. That's a big thing, obviously. But also, Kyler is a a good passer of the football. It's not like like I don't think anyone sits back and goes watches a Ravens game and goes, yeah, Lamar Jackson's best asset is his passing. Like, just no one does that. And I and I, I think people would say the same thing about Jalen Hurts in this situation where his his talent is going to be just, you know, his legs and that he, he get, moves the pocket, extends plays, and finds an open wide receiver, which obviously, don't get me wrong, it wins games. But long term, I just wouldn't want to build buy into that compared to Tua where I think he's, a more well-rounded quarterback from the pocket. Um, I agree. Um, dude, Kyler is just say different. <laughs> yeah, he's ridiculous. TBT, though. He's ridiculous. <laughs> Saying, uh, huh? remember you said he could potentially be the the one overall. Yeah, oh, Clownus. Clownus <laughs> is back. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> gotta make sure that Clownus didn't rear his ugly yeah. head this time around. <laughs> hey, we still have one more segment. Mahomes, Mahomes <laughs> lucky he's not in the NFC West. Mahomes isn't built for the NFC West. Mahomes, Mahomes literally beat the <laughs> NFC West in the Super Bowl. <laughs> All right. All right. Um, we ready to right. take the floor? Yeah, let's take the yeah. floor. Uh, I'll take it first. Um, so what I want to talk about this week is obviously most people's fantasy seasons have ended. Uh, it is the off season is fully among us. And uh, now people start to make moves. And uh, we were talking about it before the podcast started, uh, just about our league in general. And we think there was going to be, ooh, excuse me, there were going to be a, a lot of moves potentially made early in the off season this year, just based on, you know, what we've heard and people, People like to make moves, and they, they don't want to wait. They, they just want to keep keep football going, and they don't want to wait for the draft, and they don't want to wait for you know free agency and, and things like that. So what I want to talk about is when I think the proper time to make a, a move in the dynasty offseason is. Um, in terms of guys 
uh, uh, that want there's the th- the school of thought that people should wait for the NFL draft and see where rookies land and how that affects the guys that are currently in the league. I do not think that is the case. I think the best time to make a move is right before the NFL draft, which would be right after free agency. Um, therefore, you get to see where all the big free agent signings go. You get to see who's improved their offensive line, who's brought in that number one wide receiver, who's signed the big, uh, the big money running back. So you have an idea of what's going on. And also that gives you a better idea of who's going to draft who. Who didn't sign, whoever didn't sign the running back and still needs one probably is going to go and draft one. So it gives you a good, a good sense of where people are going to land in the draft. On top, the one caveat I will say is that I do think it is worth gambling on guys that are going to be a free agent in certain cases. Like this one, this offseason, I think is right now is the best time to buy Allen Robinson. Because I think Allen Robinson is in a situation that can't get any worse. He played with Nick Foles and Mitch Trubisky in a Bears offense that wasn't good, and he still put up wide receiver one numbers. And now people are just like, oh, he's going to get worse if he leaves? I don't know how people think this. Like, it makes no sense to me. Just because he's switching teams does not mean he's going to get worse. Yes, that is usually the case for running backs, but wide receivers are a completely different animal. I, so the one thing I will say is if you think a guy's situation can only get better, um, now is the time to get him just because people will be, you know, worried about where he will sign. Um, so I guess if we want to address anything, we'll save it to the end. Um, so for my take the floor, Jake spoke on situation. I think arguably one of the biggest um, determinants about situation and how players will do in a certain setting is the coaching system and who the coaches are of a team. Um, and that's why I'll keep this short and sweet, but that's why I'm looking uh, forward to this offseason. It's something I'm going to keep my eye on. It's something that I feel like a good chunk of dynasty players don't necessarily consider as much. Like they'll see who the quarterback is. They'll see who the other wide receivers or running backs are on team. And they'll be like, oh, my guy's got a good shot. But for every Andy Reid, Kyle Shanahan uh, kind of offensive-minded, you know, genius going on, you've got the Adam Gases and Bill O'Briens who could really, like, just tank a team's, um, you know, their, their assets, like, who you have. So it's something that you got to look, uh, look out for. There are a bunch of changes that are going to happen. It ha- it's inevitable. It happens every NFL season. Um, I think they're one of the top – uh, leagues as far as turnover is considered. So you got to keep a lookout on players that are, you know, players that are having a change in coaching or are going through different coaching staffs. Frank alluded to it earlier with perhaps Aaron Jones follows his offensive coordinator somewhere if he were to become the head coach somewhere. There's tons of situations that always happen like that. We have uh, Matt Rule and Robbie Anderson. Uh, who would have thought Robbie Anderson was, I think he's the wide receiver one on the Panthers as far as pan- fantasy is concerned. I, I probably him and more. Yeah, well, I, I'm saying as far as I, I think DJ Moore long term is definitely the wide receiver one, but I think on the year, I believe Robbie Anderson outscored him. Um, yeah, okay. so it's, you know, something that you got to look out for. It's something that could you know, totally boost or tank a player's value depending on what goes on with their coaching staff. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, um, I agree with all that. Uh, my my, uh, my two-minute take, 
Uh, make sure, and I want to emphasize the importance, me and Frank were talking about it earlier this morning, on having a deep roster. You see, injuries will make or break every person's season, contender season. Like, you could have complete faith in your starting lineup, maybe your top backup or something. Like, But you want to have good depth every team, I mean, every year, and not trade all of it away for maybe picks or something. Because we saw so many stars go down this year. We saw Saquon, McCaffrey, Dak, Kittle, Odell, uh, Mixon missed a lot of time. Like, those are a lot of guys that people depend on. And if you don't have someone to fill them in, a year that, like, maybe you want a ton in for, you can end up missing the playoffs because of it. So my emphasis is making sure – having a deep roster is going to be more important than you think. Like, you might think a good player just sitting on your bench every week is a waste and you're like, oh, I'd rather trade them off for a second or something. But having them – because injuries are going to happen so frequently. Uh, they Again, they make or break everyone's season. Sometimes people will just win – not in Jake's case. I know Jake got destroyed with injuries. But – there are going to be teams that go on long uh, playoff runs who just because they didn't really get hurt that year, which was kind of the case for the team Jake played in the finals. So uh, it, having having a deep roster is extremely important in Dynasty, and having those top-tier backups are going to help you more than you realize. That's my take. Yeah, so I strongly agree with the take the floors. Um so as far as Munis yours is concerned, um, I probably am one of the guys who does trade depth a lot for studs. But when you're not, when you're not contending, though, it's not a big deal. That's true. That's true. Um, you know, it, it is it's such a hard balance because McCaffrey goes down. Like someone like Mike Davis, like has become super valuable. But like every time that happens, you might be holding someone like a, I don't know, Latavius Murray, who didn't really go off this year because Kamara didn't get injured. And, you know, he's kind of just been riding your bench. I, maybe he played in your flex a couple weeks out of necessity. But um, it's, it's so hard to balance that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. Anything else you guys want to add? Yeah. I'll just add one thing. I think depth was one of the biggest reasons I won the championship this year. Um, Obviously, I mean, I had – in, in the finals, I had Brandon Cooks and Jeff Wilson be, like, two of my highest scorers. And who thought that it, it, that would be a, a recipe to win a championship? And I only had to start those guys because, you know, Julio Jones was out, because Saquon was out, because Dak Prescott went down. Like, I had a whole bunch of injuries, but because I did have depth, it let me be okay. And I'm not saying don't trade depth for, for you know, stars. Because in the end, it's usually the right call. And I've done it a whole bunch. I did it when I traded for Dalvin Cook. I did it when I traded for Julio Jones. And it, and it works out. Because you can, you know, acquire a, a depth piece for not a whole lot. Sometimes, most times, you know, you could have got Brandon Cooks in the middle of the season this year, probably for a second-round pick. And that's a guy that probably won you a championship with the performance that he had. So, we're good. Yeah, I just want to add, yeah. like, Jake, that, that's a really good point because my whole thing with depth is that fantasy football at the end of the day is partly a luck-based game. You need luck to be on your side to win matchups some weeks. And depth is the only answer to the luck. In turn, Like, there's every year you're never going to know who gets injured, who has good matchups and all that jazz. But if you have a, a squad of players that can all play, 
sometimes that's a lot better than having just one guy that's really good. And that's why, like JT or Lunas or someone said, depth is much more important to a contending team. If you're a rebuilding team, you need to get the studs and then fill in the depth last. That's a good point. Yeah, a lot of my emphasis is if you're trying to go for a ring that season. If you're a rebuilding team, you you can afford to trade some of those bench guys. Um, anything else you guys want to add, or are we wrapping up? Uh, episode was a seventeen. Yep, I think that brings us yeah. to the end of episode seventeen. Uh, for all of those listeners that listened to us throughout the whole season, thank you. Uh, we're just letting you know, just because the fantasy season is over, that doesn't mean we're not going to be uh, putting out the pods. We're going to continue to put one out through the entire offseason, help you guys out with your rookie scouting, help you guys out uh, with moves you should make, help you guys out, analyze anything that happens this offseason. So keep listening, keep tuning in, and thank you guys. Thank you, yeah, everyone. Thank you all.